Hello. Thank you for making a space to gather with us today. Being online as a community was quite exciting at first. It was a new adventure. We were uncertain what would happen. I'm not sure we feel any differently now, having done church this way for the last 18 months. And now things are finding their way back into church and groups planning and starting up again. The question arises about how we blend these things and not lose what we have gained. But this is nothing new. Being church was never meant to be something that was settled. Being church throughout history has always been unsettling, evolving, reforming. Of course, we haven't always done that and we've probably had one of the longest settled periods of being church for the last 100, 150 years almost. But what does it mean now, talking of blended models, online communities, face-to-face worship? I don't know. That's what we are constantly and continually exploring together. And we find James, the letter we're exploring today, in many ways is in the same boat with his community, moving from one model to another, one tradition to another, Jewish context to Gentile. And so that is where we find ourselves over the next few weeks, gathering some of the ideas and thoughts we've explored here and other places, and ask what the church might look like if we let some of these ideas take root. Let us pray. Light that shines on our questions and space for the exploring. Holy One among us, may we never take you for granted, nor our calling to be your church. May we dare the Spirit to love us, challenge us, call us from where we are into the adventure called faith. May we call her to disturb our easy illusions, our familiar habits and traditions, our well-worn words, and breathe new life into them. Yet anchor that which gives us meaning, that holds us steady, that which is a strength to us over generations, that which might take those things as we find ourselves on new ground. May we make this space a pausing space, a breathing space for your love, that it may hold us and affirm us and forgive us. A love that names us, knows us, and finds a home in us. A love that is called God, ancient, yet ever new. And in that gift, we find the life we need as a community to praise you, as a body to honour you, as a family to welcome you and each other. Holy God, light that shines on our questions and space to explore them honestly, 
we gather in your name and make space for the world, her hurt and her longing, here among us. Hear us as we say the global prayer together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I confessed last week I didn't find the epistles, all the, the letters that were the communication tool of the early church, easy to read. And truly, I don't. But boy, they can be hard-hitting. They're one-sided. A letter in response to a situation or a question of which we don't know and can only surmise. So it can be difficult to get the inflection, the, the nuance, because we don't know what James is specifically responding to but they are quite pointed and direct. James exposes us to some pertinent truths for all of us in the church, not just his own version of church who were trying to establish themselves and work out what it meant to be church, but our version of church too, asking the same questions, working out what it means to be church now. James 2 Verses 1 to 17. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favouritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, oh, have a seat here, please. While to the one who is poor, you say, oh, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so act, as those who are to be judged 
by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy on anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what's the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Amen. Is there much point on expanding what James says here? He makes his points fairly robustly and clearly, don't you think? Seriously, go and read that again. And if you if we fulfil even those last verses, perhaps that would be enough for one week. Maybe even for a lifetime. But taking the broader point of James, the way he is engaging with the local church and exploring how to be church, what priorities to have, what values to shape the new church round, and what work the church should be doing, there is more to say that might draw us into our present situation. What will be offered over the next few weeks is an invitation to reimagine the church. Now, this will be limited, for it is culture and tradition bound, because it's difficult to reimagine things beyond our own experiences. That's why the church needs more artists and poets. We used to call them prophets in our leadership who can challenge us with images and words that are beyond where we have been before. But it's also true, all new ideas are actually old ideas. We shift them a bit, we place them into a new context, find a different word to define them, but they are essentially the same ideas, just reimagined. Nothing the church is or, or says is new. It can only be reimagined. So we are going to step into the future, worry less about it, taking ideas that have come from discussion and questions over the last few years, but have come into particular focus during these challenging pandemic months, and do as James has done, a firm faith around what is essentially gospel, and invite the church to grow round these in the next generation as the context changes. Now, these aren't the blueprints. These aren't what we are definitely going to do. Far from it. These are pictures to thoroughly explore, to challenge, to turn upside down. And if you are like me, we'll find 10 reasons why they won't work before daring ourselves to ask, well, I wonder what that might look like. And that's always my first reaction, why we shouldn't do it. But let that pass. These are all old ideas are questions the church has always been asking. And each generation has offered a different model in response to them as the context changes.
So let's begin to wonder what the church might look like. Our calling is, in being loved by God, we love our neighbour. And the way we do that is build a church. That's essentially who we are and what we do. But what does that church look like and what might it yet look like? We start where we were last week in James, a listening church. Quick to listen, slow to speak. How might we have ears to hear our parish and world? How might we shape a listening place for folk to come to and in love and grace and without judgment just unburden themselves, dream, tell stories, confess? BBC Radio 4 has this amazingly unexpectedly popular programme called The Listening Project where we listen in to a couple of people, some who have met before and some who haven't, and discuss whatever it is that's important to them. It's a cult programme almost, and it's only about listening. Imagine us being there just to listen, to be there with others. I can imagine the church as an always open drop-in, where there is always someone to sit with another and listen never to judge, just to support, tell stories, share hearts. How much spiritual and mental good that could be for us all. We so often think we know what is important, but when we begin to listen to others, we realise we live in our own silos and worldview and miss most of what is reality for other folk. Listening can grow. And we have partly done our own listening project with some consultation we did a few years ago in order to evolve ourselves. What we heard then was a need for a better welcome. Focus on enabling families to gather and be families together. The need to build stronger relationships with our neighbours, those isolated, connecting people again. To inspire creative ways to engage people with community, shared passions, discussion, to seek and support the welfare of others and to learn to communicate, to tell our story and be a place to share others' stories. How might all that look if we built the church around listening to people and especially these things, six things we have heard, welcome, families, relationships, creativity, welfare, and communication. Now, not one of these is new, and all of them are gospel imperatives. Each one is a core activity in the gospel, a gospel that is not just about believing in something, but doing something because of those beliefs, which is where we find James and his reimagining of the early church. So next week, and for a few weeks following, we'll expand all of that and paint a picture of what that might look like. A church built in welcome, round families, in relationship, creative, seeking the welfare of others and communicating the gospel with or without words. Let us pray for our world, our community, and our parish. 
having God in the noise of this world, of Afghanistan turmoil, of Tigray conflict, of Syrian refugees and Yemen's hungry, we pray. In the divisions between us, in our own communities, the noise of prejudice and the silence of the forgotten, of the voices of the headline grabbers and the excuses we all use, we pray. In the noise of our fears and the struggles with the future, the arguments of leaders and the worry of the church, we pray. May that noise and that silence be our prayer, for in there may you hear the cries of the least and the lonely, the afraid and the fearful, the abused and the hurting. And may our ears be open too, beyond our familiar world, and hear what the world is crying, what the environment is saying, what our communities are speaking, that our prayers shift from words to being, from noise to ways of living, from lists to loving the world back. Loving God in all the injustices of our world, the imbalance of life, of hope, of opportunity, of wealth, of resources, May we be found listening, praying, and being your people as we pray for those closest to us, those ill and those waiting, those grieving and those hurting, those overwhelmed and those sad. Hear us. So be it. Amen. Go in peace in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>